Joshua chapter number 7, verse number 1 says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and they said to him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people, for the people of Ai are just a few. In other words, we got this. We don't need to sweat this. Don't need to worry about this. This is going to be an easy fight. We're getting in. We're getting out. We're getting the city. Don't let everybody go. Just a few. The people in Ai are just a few people. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust upon their heads. Joshua chapter 8, verse 24, just skipping ahead. And it came to pass. When Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness where they pursued them, and when they had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were all consumed, that all Israel returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. So it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand, which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Today in our series, Mental Health Goals, I want to talk to you from the subject, Kill Aiken. Kill Aiken. You might have heard of the movie, Kill Bill. Anybody ever hear that series? Not Kill Bill. Kill Aiken. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you minister by your grace and by the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit to every single heart. We pray right now in Jesus' name and everybody who believes it said, amen. You may be seated. If you have been following along in this series, you know we have been talking about the impact of late. We've been talking about the impact that what we do has on renewing our minds. Specifically, we have been talking about the correlation between our beliefs or our mindsets and our actions. And we have established that when our beliefs or actions line up with one another or correspond with one another, it creates a mindset that is glued into our brain. On the other hand, when our actions contradict our beliefs, we create cognitive dissonance in our brains and wind up experiencing outcomes that are different than what we believe. Now, if none of that makes complete sense to you, go back and listen online to all the previous messages. But this truth of our actions and our beliefs having to line up with one another in order for our minds to be renewed is espoused to us over in James chapter 2 verse number 20 and you remember this it says but do you want to know foolish man that faith which is beliefs faith 
without works, literally corresponding actions, is dead or kills the outcome intended by your faith. So there is an outcome intended by your faith or beliefs. When you stand on the promises of God, when you believe the promises of God, there is an intended outcome, and the intended outcome is to see those promises come to pass. But when your actions contradict what you are believing for, you wind up killing the outcome of your faith. And you kill it, not just by it not materializing, but what you wind up doing is destroying the renewal of your mind because in order for godly mindsets to, 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 to accompany godly results, you've got to do what God says. The point is that our actions have a profound effect on the renewal of our minds and the corresponding transformation of our lives. And since, remember that, remember by the way, the saying, what we do is responsible for the glue. Mindsets get glued into your brain by the actions that you execute. So the more you do a certain thing, the more you affect not just your life, but also your mind. And because our mind has this kind of power, we have been studying how to automate, or because what we do has this kind of power, we have been studying how to automate godly actions to produce victorious cycles in our life. Instead of struggling through the unhealthy ones that many often find themselves stuck in and seemingly unable to break out of. We've talked about how most people struggle with the same thing over and over again. They fix it for a minute, then they fall back into it. Then they fix it for a minute, then they fall back into it. And it's a cycle of defeat. And the way to crush or tear down that cycle of defeat is to renew your mind to what God has to say so that you'll wind up doing different in your life and experiencing better in your life. And so we have been unpacking how do we create these healthy habits in our life. And the truth that we've kind of been camping out on for the last few weeks is 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 in Joshua chapter number three, not in our text, but verse number five, where they're about ready to cross over into the promised land, cross over the Jordan River from the wilderness. They're ready to change physical locations. And we talked about you can't change a physical location unless you change your mental location or your mindset. You can't change a physical place without renewing your mental space because where your mind goes, your life will follow. And so Joshua gives them a key to how to create healthy habits in your life, in our life, so that we can wind up producing cycles of victory. And you remember it, Joshua chapter 3, verse number 5, he says, sanctify yourself, and the implication is today, do it now, because when God gives you an instruction, he's not asking you to pray about it. When God gives you an instruction, he's not asking you to mull it over. God is expecting you to obey it. I love what Mary, the mother of Jesus, said at the wedding feast of Cana when they ran out of wine. She looked at everybody and said, whatever he says, do it. How many of you know whatever Jesus says, do it, amen? So sanctify yourself today, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And the principle in the verse that empowers us to automate godly actions is simply win the day. In your life, don't set out today to win the week. 
Don't set out today to win the month. Don't set out today to win the year. Don't set out today to win the life. Set out today to win today. And if you win today, and then you wake up the next day, and you win the next day, and then you wake up the next day, and you win the next day, what happens is you receive the cumulative effect of long obedience in the same direction. And so when you win today, God brings miracles your way, right? Sanctify yourself today for tomorrow God will do wonders among you. And the miracle that God does when we set out to win the day, day after day after day after day, is the miracle of a renewed mind and a transformed life. Because our actions have a profound effect on what our mind thinks. And so we've been talking about ways to have winning days, ways to have winning days. And so let's kind of Catch up from where we were last week. We left off where Joshua, they have crossed over the Jordan River. And Joshua tells 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, to go back and grab a stone from under the feet of where the priest stood as with the ark as everybody walked by. You remember that from last week. And they got that stone, and they carried that stone on their shoulder to the other side of the Jordan River. And those stones were ritual reminders. Remember what a ritual reminder is. It's a visual reminder that anchors you to a healthy habit. And so those stones were visual reminders to them and every generation to come of what God had brought them through. How many of you know we need to remind ourselves of what God has brought us through so we don't wind up going back? And last week we talked about that. We talked about the man that was carried on the mat by his four friends. And Jesus healed him, but he said, take up your mat and go home. Don't leave the mat here because you need a reminder in your life of what I've delivered you from so you won't go back to it ever, ever again. Remember David, when he was on the run, he runs to the temple. He meets the priest Abimelech there and he says, I need some food and a weapon. He eats the showbread and he gives him the sword of Goliath. And David says, there's none like it. What was that sword? It was a reminder that when life is rough, God can cut the head off of your giant. It was a reminder that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It was a reminder that if God be for you, who can be against you? Visual reminders. For Joshua, the visual reminders, which are ritual reminders, right? Visual reminders that anchor you to healthy habits. For Joshua, it was the ark and it was the stones. The ark of the presence of God. The stones that God brought them through into the promised land. We need to get some stones in our life. Now they get to the other side of the Jordan River. And when they get to the other side of the Jordan River, they don't just plop the stones down. If you read the story, they do something that is very significant. It's the first key I want to share with you today. They stack the stones. Stack the stones. What is that? It's something called habit stacking. Habit stacking. What is that? It's coupling a habit that comes easy with one that requires more discipline. Habit stacking. Coupling a habit that comes easy with one that requires more discipline. There was a study done in the University of Pennsylvania which investigated how to get people to hit the gym. 
and, and they collected a group of bookworms together. In other words, people that, that love to read, right? They love to read like I love cannolis. That's how much they love. That's what a bookworm is, right? They are motivated by books, right? And so they grabbed these people and they divided them into these three categories. One group, they gave them four oh-so-tempting books to read. And they said the only way you can access these books is if you go to the gym. And then another group, what they did is they gave them the free books and they recommended strongly that you go to the gym and read them. And then the third group, they gave them a $25 gift card and they said, go to the gym and work out. Well, which group read the most books? The one that could only get the books by going to the gym. Those books were their motivation because they love to read. It wouldn't be motivation to me. Matter of fact, if you told me at the gym they were going to have, you know, donuts and pizza, maybe then I'm showing up to the gym. By the way, they seem to contradict one another. But yet Planet Fitness, I think every Thursday night, has free pizza there. It's pretty interesting that they would have free pizza at the gym. Why? Motivating factors. Taking something that comes easy with something that requires more discipline and stacking them together so that you wind up doing the thing that is difficult for you to do. Stack the stones. Get two habits, put them together. One that's hard, one that's easy. And so we we need to understand the power that that has. Maybe for you, it's the morning cup of coffee with reading your Bible because you love to drink coffee. Maybe it's the morning bi- the Bible in the bathroom. Put it down in the little thing that you have beside the bathroom there because you know you're going to go to the bathroom and boom, there is your Bible there. For me, I told you last week, I, I drink water every time I got to go for a bio break. So when I get up and I feel the urge to go, I just, before I walk into the bathroom, I chug as much water as I can and I go in. Why? Because I hate drinking water. So it couples it, it stacks it together and it allows me to do it. Maybe you can walk and pray at the same time. Stack your stones. Combine something that you love to do with something that you ought to do. I don't like to work out, but I love to study the word of God. Love it. I mean, I, I can spend day after day after day just studying the Word of God. And so here's what I do every morning. I study the Word of God on my Peloton. Every single, By the time I'm done studying, I got an hour in on the Peloton. I'm like, that was easy. Why? Because I'm stacking something that comes easy to me with something that it requires more discipline in my life. Combine what you want to do with something you ought to do. Create your want-to list and your should-do list and start stacking. And there's a great benefit when you couple what you want to do and what you should do. Your brain eventually develops a want to toward the should do. Let me say it again. You all with me right now? Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. Your brain eventually, when you couple a want to with a should do, your your brain eventually develops a want to toward the should do. And so for three months now, the beginning of the year, every morning when I get up, five days a week actually, when I get up, what I do is I study on the Peloton. And now I actually can't wait to get on the Peloton. What happened? I tricked my brain. I renewed my mind. I coupled something that comes easy with something that requires discipline, put them together, my brain saw them as exactly the same thing, and I developed a love for something that I didn't like to do. That's how you habit stack in just three months. But here's what happens to us. 
Israel now has crossed over, right? They have stacked their stones. And now they have to conquer the promised land and all the cities they're in. They have crossed over, but now there is work to do. Remember, if you are truly going to renew your mind, there's work to do. The reason why most people never get their minds renewed is because we have microwave minute faith instead of mountain moving faith. We have microwave minute faith instead of mountain moving faith. We want God to answer yesterday. We sow seeds and we want to harvest immediately. Many of us think that the way the kingdom of God works is you plant a seed, you put it in the ground, you're like, clear! We think, and because we have microwave minute faith, we're like, God, I can do that for a minute. God, I can believe that for a minute. But if it requires effort, if it requires work, most of us don't get there because our faith has not yet been developed. Robert Louis Stevenson said this. He said, don't judge a day by the harvest you reap. Judge it by the seeds that you sow in that day. And so this brings me to the second of today's key. The second key to having winning days is little by little. They are on this side of the promised land. They have stacked their stones, and now they have to conquer the cities. And you know what they want? They want God to give them all the cities in a day. Just like God, we want God. Okay, God, I decided to be on a diet. By the end of the week, I want to see 50 pounds come off. Right? And then we get shocked. One? One measly Pound? I suffered all week for one measly pound. Where are the donuts at? Where's the pizza at? Where's the cannolis at? Right? We want God to deliver it. But look at what God says to the children of Israel. He says, Exodus chapter 23, verse 30. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. There is power and protection in little by little. The reason why God's method in our life is more often than not little by little because there is power and protection in little by little. First, the protection. Before God told them he would give them the land little by little, he tells them why. Look at verse 29 of Exodus 23. I'm not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field become too numerous for you. Short translation, God sees the beginning from the end. God knows the unintended consequences of you getting something before you're ready to handle something. God is not looking for you to get blessed for just a week. God is looking for you to stay blessed. God doesn't want to build you into a skyscraper that falls down when the winds of adversity come around. God wants to build you into a skyscraper that has a deep foundation so that you can keep what he entrusts to your life. And so what God does is he gives you little by little. Faster is funner, but longer is more lasting. And so, so many of us, we come out there, we're all excited about believing God for something, and then it just happens little by little. And what do we do? We quit on it. But God said, that's the way I'm going to give you the promised land. Before, But there is also great power in the small, in little by little. There's protection. God protecting us against losing the blessing he wants to give us, but then the power in the little by little. The scripture says we go from strength to strength. 
Each small victory sets us up for a bigger victory. David had to kill a lion and a bear before he could handle a giant. Problem with most people is you want to go right for the giant. And here's what happens when you go right for the giant. You get your butt handed to you. Because you haven't had a bear to practice on, and you haven't had a lion to practice on, and you're not ready for the giant in your life. So God says, I want you to give, to make you into a giant killer, but I gotta get you there, and the way I'm gonna get you there is little by little. If we're faithful over the little things, watch this, God won't just make us ruler over many things, but he'll give us the power to handle many things. It's not just that we, we're faithful and little, boom. And so God says, okay, here's more. The reason why faithful and little produces ruler over much is because now you can handle it. Now you are ready for it. Now it's not going to slip through your fingers. Now you're not going to have it for a season and then lose it for a lifetime. God would rather you get it over the long haul and keep it than get it suddenly and lose it in your life. Little by little. Coach John Wooden one of the best basketball coaches in NCAA history, although the coach of St. Peter's would probably argue with that right now, right? As his new recruits came in, here's what he would say. He'd say, put on your socks. Remember that? We talked about that. And they would all look at him like, this is crazy. Here's how you put on your socks, gentlemen. And he said, these seemingly trivial matters taken together and added to many, many other so-called trivial matters built into something very big, namely your success. Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 10. Famous portion of scripture. Do not despise the day of what? Small beginnings. But the rest of the verse is even more powerful. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Now here's what Israel hadn't even broken ground on the temple yet. Sarah Bubbles, Sarah Babel, however you want to say it, what did he do? He took the ruler out and God said, yeah, go ahead. All he was doing was measuring. Why? Because God understands the power of the small. He understands that you can't get to big things until you master small things. The widow's two mites. The little boy's five loaves and two fishes. The widow woman's last bit of oil. The little foxes that spoil the vine. Faith that begins as a mustard seed eventually moves mountains. There's power in the small. How do I win the day? Little by little, little by little, little by little. There's an ancient proverb that goes like this. For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost. For want of a rider, the message was lost. For want of a message, the battle was lost. For want of a battle, the kingdom was lost. All for the want want of a horseshoe nail. There's power in small wins. Little by little is how we win the day. They're crossed over onto the other side of the Jordan River. They're ready to get every city real quick, have the promised land. God said, no, I'm not going to give it all to you in one year. He said, I'm going to give it little by little. Because if I gave it all to you in one year, the land would be overrun by the animals and you would lose the whole thing. So we're going to take one city after another city after another city after another city. And then when we have all the cities, we will keep all the cities. Instead of being temporarily blessed, we will be permanently blessed. I'm preaching better than you all are responding.
Speaking of little, did you know there are 12,000 species of ants? That's creative overkill. 12,000 species. I mean, if I was like there when God was creating, I'd be like, God, let's cut it at a thousand. That's a lot. 12,000 species of ants. One particular ant, the Sahara Desert Ant, is able to move at a speed of 2.8 feet per second. It's like Pastor Brandon's speed. (laughs) Sounds slow, but it's actually fast. For an ant, for an ant, 2.8 feet per second is 108 times its body length. That is 10 times faster than the fastest human. Of course, that number of ant species doesn't even compare to the number of beetle species. 350,000 species of beetles. And by the way, there are some intellectually inferior people who believe that all evolved. Do you realize how, how incomprehensible that is? To have the evolution of not one species of ant, but 10,000 different species of ants. It just happened, right? 350,000 species of beetles, pop, just, just happened, right? But here's the point. God is not only great because nothing is too big, but God is great because nothing is too small. Little by little, Bad habits are broken. Little by little, good habits are built. Little by little, dreams become a reality. There is power in the small. Pastor, I'd give when I had more. Pastor, I'd say yes to the, to, uh, I'd say yes to the big opportunity, but this small opportunity is beneath me. Pastor, I'd serve if I had more time. Listen to me. How you do anything is how you do everything. How you do Anything is how you do everything. Little by little is how you win the day. Win the day. So they are on the right side of the Jordan River. And now it's time to take the promised land. Little by little, city by little city. And the first city looks like a tough fight. It's Jericho. It's completely walled in. Protected by walls so thick that you could ride a chariot on the top of them. The walls are tall. It is fortified and seemingly impenetrable. But God gives Joshua a plan. He says, march around the city for seven days. For the first six days, march and be quiet. On the seventh day, march seven times. And on the seventh time of the seventh day, give a shout. By the way, you know how you win in life? You know when to shut up and when to speak up. That was so good right there. That was just extra. Here's what you know. Here's how you win in life. You know how to shut up for six days. Don't say a word. Some people lose their victory because they don't know when to shut up. But then there's a time when you got to speak up on the seventh day. Give a shout. God gives them a plan. March around. By the way, you can't get... To day seven, unless you win day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. You know what happens in our lives? God has complete breakthrough on day sevens. I don't mean that literally, literally, but you get my point. But we're, but we can't even get to day seven because we're not winning day by day by day. And so they're marching around. They got this plan. Can't experience the big wins unless you get the little wins. And if you shout, By the way, on the seventh day, as you walk, if you have it stacked, if you do this and that, guess what happens? The walls that seem impenetrable in your life, they come down. 
you to do two things at the same time. The power of have a second. The plan seemed crazy. What you mean, God? Just don't, don't attack. Don't throw no arrows. Don't sneak into the city. Just walk around for six days and be quiet. On the seventh day, do it seven times so they really think we're crazy. Has God ever asked you to do something where you don't, they're going to think I'm crazy? They're going to think, by the way, if God is always asking you to do things that people think are crazy, you might be crazy. <laughs> but sometimes God will ask you to do things. You think, man, they're going to think I'm crazy doing this thing. But how many know if God says it, just do it. If God says it, just do it. If God says it, just do it. You don't need to reason it. You don't need to pray about it. You need to just do whatever he says, just do it. Because there is power in what we do. When we step out, God steps in, right? And so they're marching, they're marching, they're marching. They do. God does. The walls fall. And God says, burn the entire city. And take only the gold and the silver and put it in the treasury of the Lord. Keep nothing for yourself. Then here's what he says. Because the city is accursed unto me. That's kind of weird, right? You're like, what what does that mean? I thought this was the blessed land. I thought this was the promised land. What do you mean? The city is accursed unto me. In the original language, it means set apart. It It means holy unto me. Why? Because Jericho was the first city in the promised land. And what you do with the first determines what happens to the next. I said, what you do with the first determines what happens to the next. And so they burn the city. And now they confer and they start planning to take this second city named Ai. You thought I forgot about the opening text. We're there now. This is the city that is spoken of in what we read. This city is going to be an easy win. Remember what Joshua's men advised him? Don't send everybody up there. Only about two, three thousand. We got this. We got, we won before. We're going to win this. We beat, we, we won that big fight. This is going to be an easy fight. Let the army rest. Just take a few people and look what happens. So about three thousand men went up from there. From the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck them down about 36 men. For they chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. They lost. They got their butts handed to them instead of an easy win. They got an unexpected loss. By the way, mind renewal is not linear. Mind renewal is not win, 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 win. Here's how mind renewal goes. Win, win, lose. Win, 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 lose. Win, 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 lose. Losses are always sprinkled into us moving from where we are to where God has for us to be. And the reason for that is because there is a fight as we move from this place to that place. But don't let the losses overtake the wins. Let the losses be sprinkled in with the wins. And what you're going to see here today, even the losses are part of the process. But this loss is particularly hard for Joshua. God told Joshua, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon shall be yours. God told Joshua, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. 
No man will be able to stand against you, but he lost. God reminded him of the promise through the prostitute Rahab when they sent spies into Jericho. All of our hearts are failing because of you. The giants are scared of you, but they lost. They lost in spite of the promise. It was hard for Joshua because his expertise was in fighting. Moses was a pastor. Joshua was a general. The fighting was what established Joshua's leadership. There are some people that are good when everything is going right. But there are some people that are great when everything that is going wrong. There are some people who can take the team down the field with 30 seconds left on the clock and win the game. But there are others who can't quite get them there. Some people rise to the top. Joshua needed a fight. In order to establish his leadership. He was a warrior at heart. But he lost in his greatest competency. And how many of you know that hurts? I don't care if I sing bad. I can't sing. Don't want to. Well maybe I do want to sing. I take no pride in singing. But if I preach a bad message. I feel bad for a week. Hadn't happened yet. But no I'm just playing. (laughs) Because when we lose in our area of expertise, when we lose in our area of greatest competency, it is a blow to our ego. And to make matters worse, without much of a resume he loses, he's only got one city win underneath his belt. He's only defeated Jericho, and now he's lost at AI. He is one in one. And how many of you know one in one ain't greatest average? Anybody can be one in one. And the loss is embarrassing. Because it's not a secret loss. When you're a leader, there are no secret losses. You don't get to lose outside of the public eye. When you lose, everybody sees you lose. And here's the funny thing about people. They will persecute you if you are a leader and lose in the exact same areas that they're losing every day in their life. Huh? Huh? When we see a leader lose, we're like, I can't believe they did that. That's why the Bible said, don't look at the speck, at the, at the, at the speck in your brother's eye. Look at the two by four in your own eye. This is hard on Joshua. Now everybody's second guessing him because this was supposed to be an easy win. Joshua, how could you lose the easy win? Joshua, we thought you were great. We thought you were like Moses, but you are just average. But listen to me. Don't let the temporary setback pull you permanently back. Joshua has taken it hard. He tore his clothes. He falls on his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, they put dust on their heads. He's taking it hard. But listen to me. Joshua doesn't stay down. Don't stay down. Joshua doesn't stay down. If you read the rest of the text, Joshua has a conversation with God, and it goes something like this. God, something is off. Because we ain't supposed to lose. Let me say it again. Because we ain't supposed to lose. Let me say it again. Because we ain't 
supposed to lose. Listen to me. He rejected the spirit of failure, and instead of going back to a failure mindset, he stood firm on the we ain't supposed to lose mindset. We ain't supposed to lose, church. We're more than conquerors. We ain't supposed to lose. We are the head and not the tail. We ain't supposed to lose. We are blessed coming and going. We ain't supposed to lose. You didn't come this far to go back now. You ain't supposed to. God, we didn't cross the Jordan River and risk our life to lose now. God, we haven't trekked through the wilderness to lose now. We ain't supposed to lose, God. What's going on? Child of God, you ought to have an aversion to losing. You ought to have an aversion to lose. You ought to recognize losing as abnormal if you are a child of God. Don't say when you lose, well, I guess God didn't want it for me. Well, I guess it wasn't God's will for me. Well, I guess it wasn't supposed to happen. Instead, when you are believing and when you are fighting and you don't win, say, I ain't supposed to lose. Don't you dare acquiesce to a loser's mindset. If you acquiesce to a loser's mindset, you will live in losses for the rest of your life. Every time you lose, I ain't supposed to lose. That's abnormal for me to lose. Say, Pastor, really? Seriously? Where does the scripture say that? Well, all over the place. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14. Now thanks be to God, which always, what does it say? Always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Always causes us. You know, I looked up the word always in the original language. You know what I found out it means? Always. I said, God doesn't really mean always. God doesn't really mean sometimes. God doesn't really mean just here and there. It means always. That's why when you come into church here every week, what do we say? With Jesus, you are what? You are destined to win. You are not a loser. You are a winner. You're more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. You ought to have an aversion to losing. When you lose, you ought to say, God, I ain't supposed to lose. I hate losing. If you haven't tell, I hate to lose. I get mad if the lottery gets to a billion and I play. Yeah, I do play when it gets to a billion. And here's what I can, I can tell you. I will pay my tithe and my offering on the billion. Oh, I would too, Pastor. No, you wouldn't. Some of you. How do I know that? You ain't paying your tithe on a thousand bucks. How are you going to pay your tithe on a billion bucks? How you do anything determines how you handle everything. But I get mad when the numbers don't come in my way. I do. I say, God, that, that ain't right. God, I'm supposed to win. I'm, and you would say, Pastor, you're crazy. I really did that. I'm, I'm telling you. And if you and me play something and you get lucky and beat me, we playing again. We are playing again. Why? Because I hate to lose. Losing is not in my DNA. It's not in your DNA either. The righteous shall flourish like the what? Like the palm tree. That means you can't keep the righteous down. The righteous just keeps springing back up again. You ain't supposed to lose. Joshua said, God, why did we lose? And God said, well, because there's sin in the camp. God said, somebody took from the spoil of Jericho. God said, somebody took what belonged to me. 
God said somebody took from the first as though it were theirs. God said somebody thought what belonged to me belonged to them. God said somebody hoarded my honor. Somebody coveted my gold. Somebody decided that I didn't need to be first. Somebody got it twisted and determined that it was by their power and by their strength that the walls of Jericho fell. Somebody thought their shout was supernatural without me. Somebody forgot that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Somebody forgot they'd still be in the wilderness if I didn't take them out. Somebody forgot that I made a way for the waters to stop upstream at the city of Adam so they could pass on dry ground without being swept away. God said there's sin in the camp because somebody touched what belonged to me. And Joshua, you know what he did? He went through the whole camp. He went tribe by tribe. Is it this tribe? All right, y'all good. Go about your day. This tribe? Yeah, y'all good. This tribe? Y'all are good. He got to this tribe. The sin meter started going. You know the metal finder? He got a sin finder. Start going off. He said, y'all need to chill. He said, let me see one family at a time. He said, you good. You could, and you know, everybody was sweating too. Because you know when God calls you up and tells you somebody got sin, every single one of us could get called out. Come on, don't lie. They're all sweating. They're like, hope he doesn't call me out. Hope the preacher doesn't call me out for my sin. Right? We don't do that anymore today. That's why people live like the devil. They had no fear of sinning. Family by family. And out of the nosebleed seats, ninth row of the nosebleeds, comes a man by the name of Achan. And Joshua says, Achan, did you do it? He said, yeah, my bad. He said, I saw the fine gold. I saw the designer robe. I saw the, the Lamborghini chariot. I was tired of wilderness life. So I took a little something, something, and I didn't think it would hurt anybody and that God would understand. I wasn't willing to wait on God to bless me his way, so I decided to do it my way. I pulled the Frank Sinatra. I didn't believe that if I wait on God, it would be worth it. In my mind, my way was better than waiting on God. I took it because temporary gratification was greater to me than trusting in the goodness of God. I took it because I was covetous instead of convinced that God would bless me with better. I settled for less because I doubted God had his best for my life. They lost because somebody touched the first. When you touch the first, you're going to be aching. Y'all missed that one right there. When you touch the first, You're going to be aching. What happens? When you touch the first, you will lose battles you're supposed to win. Easy battles. I don't understand why they win that battle. Easy battles that you are superior to win. But when you honor God with the first, you're going to win battles you're supposed to lose. How in the world did walking around Jericho just like this for six days and... Seven days. Seven times. On the seventh time. Hey! How in the world 
did that come down? Because when you honor God with the first, you win battles you are supposed to lose. But when you touch what belongs to God, you lose battles that you're supposed to win. And this ain't even a tithing message, y'all. That's not even my point. But if the shoe fits, wear it. They lost because they didn't honor God with the first. So what does Joshua do? Third principle and final one for today. Ways to have winning days. If you're going to have winning days, you need to kill Achan. Go back and read the rest of the story. First, Joshua went through every tribe, then every family. He was serious about extricating anything that was standing in the way of the victory God wanted him to have. He wasn't going to have an unforced error or a self-inflicted wound stop him. Listen to me, child of God. It's one thing to lose when you are overmatched, but it is another thing to lose when you know darn well you ought to win in that situation. And the only reason why you lose is because you have a self-inflicted wound. And so Joshua said, no self-inflicted wounds for us. We are going to search to get this out of our life. What is Achan? It is anything that is standing in the way of you and your victory. And you got to be so serious about getting Achan out of your life that you got to be willing to look for it. You got to be willing to find it. You got to be willing to extricate it. And you got to be willing to kill everything that is associated with Achan in your life. Kill Achan. Kill it. Don't play with it. Don't be friends with it. This ain't just Old Testament. Jesus said, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. And don't go home and saw on anything on your body now. What God is saying is, you got to get serious about the stuff that is standing in the way of your victory. Can't hold on to stuff that is causing you to lose. Because listen, holding on to it ain't worth it. It ain't worth losing your family. It ain't worth losing your sanity. It ain't worth losing your peace. It ain't worth losing your joy. It ain't worth losing your relationship with God. It ain't worth losing anything. And it sure ain't worth losing everything. It ain't worth it. Kill Achan. Kill him. Killing Achan is also killing anything that's not producing fruit or wasting your time. You can't do everything. So you got to choose what you must invest in. If it's not God's priority for you, don't allow it to steal time from you. If it doesn't produce fruit, cut it off from the root. If it doesn't produce the fruit of the life God has for you and steals the, your time from investing in the thing God wants for you, then kill it as Jesus did. Sometimes you have to curse a fig tree. There ain't nothing wrong with a fig tree. Fig trees are good. But if you come by something in your life and it doesn't produce the fruit that it needs to produce in your life, what do you need to do? You need to curse that thing. Sometimes you've got to get rid of the good in your life in order to experience the great in your life. And that's why you need to discern what the Holy Spirit has for you. Stack and load up on the stuff God wants you to focus on. And don't let something that's not God good steal your time and energy. Get rid of it. Kill Achan. And if it's godly, listen to me. Don't find time for it. You don't find time for nothing. Listen, i got to find time. It's 24 hours a day. You ain't finding no more than that. I promise you. Here's what you do. You don't find time. You make time. 
can I just be honest with you? I know I'm going to get a whole lot of people mad at me for saying this. And sometimes I say things and then afterwards when I say them, I said, that was kind of mean. And I asked God, should I say it? He said, yes, I told you to say it. So I, I said it anyway. That's why I can't get with Christians to be like, I'm so busy. I don't have time for church. You're a sorry excuse for a Christian. That's all it amounts to. Why? Because when it's important, when it's what God has for us, we don't find time. We make time. We're like, God, this is what you want. So God, guess what? You are first. You are not just first in my finances. You're not just first in my family. You're not just first in my time. You're first in everything. God, you are first, first, first. And in order to make time, you got to set boundaries and keep boundaries. God told Joshua, last thing I want to share with you. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness, from, 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 from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Here's what God said. From here to there, that's yours. From here to there, what was God saying? These are your boundaries. Here's what he was saying. This is where my favor will flow in your life. This is where you will win and win and win and win and win and win. You know why some people lose? Because they're outside of the boundaries. If you lose outside of your lane, don't complain because God gave you boundaries and he didn't give you boundaries to cramp your style. He gave you boundaries so that you would win every time. God's boundaries for your life are like the bumpers on the kitty lane at the bowling alley. It's so you can't throw a gutter ball. It's so that even when you miss, you still knock something down. You gotta make time for what is important and move within your boundaries. And in order for that to happen in your life, you've gotta kill Aiken. On Wednesday and Thursday, I don't do anything until I get my sermons done. I don't pick up the phone. I don't email. I don't respond to email. My wife tries to come in and bug me. I say, nope. Leave me alone. Why? Focusing within the boundaries. We can talk. I'll be done about four or five. We can talk after that. I'll be home all night. But right now, focus. Why? In the boundaries of what God, why? To win the day, you've got to kill Achan. And even, check this out, even when you lose, you still learn how to win. Because failure is the ability to begin again more intelligently. And so guess what happens when you lose? You're like, well, that don't work. Craziest thing in the world you could do is lose and try it again. 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 Remember when, when Rocky, I think he lost to Mr. T? 
Next time he came back, he said, I'm going to fight him as a southpaw. I didn't beat him as a, as, on this side, so guess what? I'm going to try something different this time. You know what? You learn what doesn't work, and you come back again. So even in your losing, you're actually being set up to win because failure is the ability to begin to fight again more intelligently. But last thing, you really don't lose until you refuse to fight again. Once Joshua killed Achan, he said to Israel, let's go back. It's time for a rematch. He looked at the enemy. He said, ding, ding, round two. You thought it was just round one, but I'm coming back. And this time, you ain't fighting the same person you fought last time. This time, you're fighting a smarter version. You're fighting a more anointed version. You're fighting somebody that's not going to make any unforced errors anymore. This time, you're fighting me, 100% of me, and 100% of God, and me and God are going to take your head off. This time, you're going to lose. You don't really lose unless you refuse to fight again. Kill Aiken. You're going to try sometimes and Aiken might have the better moment. Sometimes he might even have the better day. But you don't lose till you refuse to fight again. Get up and fight again. Get up and fight again. Kill Aiken. Amen. Would you stand on your feet? <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we bless your holy name in this place. Father, we thank you so much for your word. I just feel that that one phrase we ain't supposed to lose just just keeps going off in my spirit and I want to speak that over your lives right now and the reason I want to speak it over your lives is I firmly believe that a lot of people lose because they have a losing mindset you ain't supposed to lose put your hands up to the Lord right now I want to just speak this over you Father in the name of Jesus right now I proclaim over every single person that is in here Every single person that is listening from wherever they're listening from, watching from wherever they're watching from, that they are what your word says, not just a conqueror, but more than a conqueror. Father, I proclaim over their life just what your word says, that in you, they'll always triumph. Father, I thank you and proclaim over them what your word says over them, that they are blessed coming and going. Father, that their destiny is the promised land. Their destiny is not the struggle. Their destiny is not the wilderness. Their destiny is not wandering. Their destiny is the promised land. Father, right now, we pull down and cast down every imagination and high thing that has tried to convince your children that they are anything less than what you've called them to be. Father, right now, we speak to every failure that has happened in the past. And we just say right now, you won't define who we are. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We are not who we used to be. We are now everything God has created us to be. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. God is for us. He is on our side. If God be with us, who can be against us? Father, we just proclaim victory after victory after victory. We pray and proclaim right now that just like... 
Bad things have happened in our lives. Now good things will come back on every wave, Father, in Jesus' name. That this will be the time where we experience waves of your goodness and waves of your anointing. And Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I speak that into the mind, over the heart of every single person who is hearing this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you are here and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. Sometimes we forget church is about Jesus. The reason why we can renew our mind is because of everything that Jesus did for us. God brought you here not just to be encouraged and not just to learn principles of the Word of God, but if you don't know Jesus, God brought you here so you would know Him. Because there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. Hell is real. It is no joke. It's not like in hell you get to play cards, stay up late, drink beer, smoke weed, do whatever you want. That's not, that's not what hell is. Hell is the absence of God. God doesn't want any person to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. He created it for you. And he said, here's the way to heaven. He said, Jesus spoke. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And so if you don't know if you're right with God, all you need to do is give your life to Jesus. It's that simple. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, please say, Pastor, today, I want to surrender my life to him. Just put your hand up. I want to pray for you. Is there anybody like that? That's here right now, Pastor. I don't know Jesus, but today I want to give my life to him. Hallelujah. One more time. Anybody who doesn't know Jesus, Pastor, today, I want to give my life to him. We do this every week because there's always people on the other side of the camera. It's easier sometimes to raise your hand at home. But how many of you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Amen. For the benefit of those, if you raised your hand at your home, at wherever you're watching from, I want to pray with you. We're all going to pray this prayer with you together. Would you say this with me? Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. As I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, there's a little button. You can press it, little hand. I gave my life to Jesus. We'll reach out to you or type Jesus in the chat. One of our prayer ministers will reach out to you. We love you so much. God loves you even more. We'll see you again next week. God bless you.